Hello, thank you for joining us today. We invite you to connect with us on all our social media outlets. Now, let's go to the message. Now it came to pass. Somebody say it's not going to stay for long. Somebody say it's not always going to be like this. Oh, that's a good word for somebody today. It's not always going to be as hard as it is today. It's not always going to be as difficult, as dark, as dry as it is. And it came to pass on a certain day that Jesus went into a ship with his disciples. And he said unto them, let us go over unto the other side of the lake. And they launched forth. And as they sailed, Jesus fell asleep. And there came down a storm of wind on the lake, and they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. If you if you got a Bible in your hand, circle that phrase, highlight that phrase. They were filled with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and woke Jesus, saying, Master, Master, we perish. Then Jesus arose rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. Can I just encourage you that there's a calm that's about to hit your life that you've been waiting for, that you've been praying for. God is about to be God in your situation. You're going to be able to rest and and exhale for your next. I want somebody to shout out, I am unsinkable. Oh, you're, you're alive today. Turn to somebody else and tell them, I will outlive my storm. You may be seated in the house of God. We are talking about being unsinkable, a faith that survives the storm. And there's a lot of words that we could really use in the context of where we're going. And I know that you know we are a faith church. That faith in God is the most important thing that we have. But another, uh, another term close to faith, a twin sister, a very close relative would be confidence. Somebody say confidence. Confidence is an amazing thing. And the thing I love about confidence is it's different than a lot of things because you can walk in here with no confidence and leave with all the confidence in the world. It doesn't take six months to get confidence. It's not like some muscles that take discipline after all of this time. The thing is, is you can become confident from hearing a word of God or being reminded that God is in your situation that God is a part of your life, that God is in the valleys of life, that will give you confidence. When I remind you that you are not alone, it should instill confidence. When I remind you that God's word will not fail, it should provide you confidence. Someone asked me the other day, they said, if you could point to one thing that your parents have done for you, what would that be? And I said, oh, that is easy. My dad has taught me faith. He's taught me business. He's taught me a lot of things about finance. But the number one thing he has taught me is faith. And they said, what about your mom? And I said, well, the power of choice would be something that comes to mind. But one thing that my mom has given me is an irrational confidence. She raised my brother and I with such a confidence-building environment that when things don't work out, I'm surprised. When things don't happen like I thought they would, I'm shocked and I'm surprised.
Can I encourage you as the people of God in the room today? When you read the word of God, it should build a confidence in Christ like no other. It should be an irrational confidence that when you get a bad report from the doctor, you're shocked that the devil would even try to touch you. That when you get a bad report from the finance office, you should be shocked that the enemy would even come at you like that. I want Living Way to build an irrational confidence that is based and built on Jesus. So that when something doesn't go right, you say, I can't believe the devil did that. But greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So our text leads us, and it leads us to a place where we start talking about storms. Storms are going to happen in your life. It is not a matter of if they come, but when they show up. I, as someone who has agriculture and land and livestock, I love storms. You know why I love storms? Because to me, storms mean growth. Isn't it amazing how to someone storms can frighten them? For some, they try to avoid storms, but for others, they welcome storms into their life because they know that the water this storm brings is going to help me grow. The lightning this storm brings is going to fill the atmosphere with with nitrogen and nitrates so that growth, it can facilitate growth and development. Can I encourage you, when you see storms on the horizon of your life, do not avoid them. Remember, there is a God that is in the boat with you, and realize that through this storm, your faith is going to grow. Through this storm, your trust and confidence are going to grow. And on the other side of this storm, there is greater. And as we've already declared, there is not a storm on the face of the planet that is designed to kill you. What it is designed to do by the adversary doesn't mean much to me because I know that God's going to ride the hurricane out with me. And on the other side of this. There's a better version of Brandon. There's greater. There's better. There's stronger. Every believer should come out on the other side of each storm better in every way. Somebody say amen. Amen. In 1912, the great ship, the Titanic, was thought and reported to be unsinkable. The shipbuilders Harlan and Wolf insisted The Titanic was never advertised as the unsinkable ship. They claimed that unsinkable myth was started and perpetuated by people who had read reports in news publications and magazines. The very night, the New York office of the White Star Lines, who conducted and ran the Titanic Enterprise, was informed that the Titanic was in trouble. The vice president of White Star Lines, Franklin, BAS Franklin, announced, We place absolute confidence in the Titanic. We believe the boat is unsinkable. Little did he know that when he said those words, Titanic was already sitting at the bottom of the ocean. But on the other side of the world, he said, Our faith and our confidence is in the boat. The boat is unsinkable. Looking back, the greatest error made in the Titanic story 
is their faith and confidence that everyone, including passengers, builders, and the owners of the boat, they put their faith and confidence in the wrong place. Their faith and confidence was misplaced because it should have never been put in the ship, but rather in the person who was captaining that great ship, Captain Edward Smith. Can I encourage you to not put your faith in Living Way Church? We're just the boat. Do not put your faith in your favorite preacher. They're just a deckhand on the boat. But if you are really going to take the faith and confidence that we all have and put it to good use, that faith and confidence can only be put in one place, and that is in Jesus Christ because he is the captain of the boat, and he is the only voice that wind and waves listen to and lie down in. Confidence defined is full trust. Somebody say full trust. Confidence is full trust. It is a belief in the powers, the trustworthiness, or reliability of a person or a thing. Church, I've been living a long time, and I know some great faith-filled people. But the reason they're great people is their faith and confidence is in Jesus Christ. Do not make the mistake of putting your faith in people when you can take that faith and in the same declaration say, I'm not being confident in them, I'm being confident in him. I'm not putting my trust in man, I'm putting my trust in the undefeated God. He is unrivaled, he is unmatched, he is unequaled. I'm not putting my my confidence in a man or woman in Washington. I'm not putting confidence in anyone that lives under the roof of my house. I have lived long enough to know that if my boat is going to make it to where God has destined it to make it, I've got to put all of my faith and all of my confidence. And here's the thing. It says full trust. You can't put a little trust here and a little trust here and a little trust here You've got to take all that trust, and you've got to say, God, I don't see the sun shining, but I'm going to trust you anyway. God, I don't see you working, but my confidence is in you anyway. God, I feel the turmoil and the things that are coming against me, but my trust and my confidence is in you. How many times do we start feeling ourselves? Come on, you know what it's like. You have a run of a few good weeks or a couple months, and you start puffing out your chest, forgetting it was God who rescued us from the miry clay. Forgetting that before Jesus, we were stuck in sin. We were stuck in, in, the, in the craziness of life. We were stuck in our past. Can we never forget what it took for Jesus to get us out of that stuck place? Can we never forget that we've been washed in the blood of Jesus? Can we not forget that when we were baptized, it was a symbol. The old Brandon is gone, and a new Brandon has arrived. The new creation that you and I, old things are passed away. Way. Behold, everything about us has been made new. We misplace our faith when we start feeling invincible. Faith is no longer offered to God. Faith is offered to ourselves. 
We make ourselves God and our confidence. And I know we talk about self-confidence, but self-confidence really for a believer is, is I trust the God inside of me. It is not me. It is not I. Without God, I couldn't tie my shoe by myself. Without God, none of my relationships would, would work. Without God, I would waste every penny that I make. Without God, nothing in my life would count. We misplace our faith and our confidence when we put it in people, other things, and even ourselves, which leads to our demise, and we start sinking. Bishop tells the story. He was in another city, another state, at a hotel, and he was in his hotel room. And if you know Bishop, uh, Bishop, when he's in other towns, he likes to go to churches. He likes to visit churches. He likes to attend services if they don't conflict with his schedule. And Bishop, I don't know if he still does because I don't live with him, but Bishop used to love watching Christian television because a lot of his friends were on there. But he said he remembers one night him and my mom in a hotel room after service, and they were watching at the time. This was 20, 25 years ago, the number one evangelist in all of the world. And he looked into the camera, and he said, I am God's only option. I have, have helped pe more people get saved than the Apostle Paul, which is a lie. That's crazy to even say because the Apostle Paul's writings under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost are still helping people get saved today. My dad looked at my mom and he said, it will not be long until that man falls because he has placed all confidence, trust, and faith in himself. He no longer worships God. He worships self. Anytime that you put faith in you, you have made yourself God. And a lot of times we like talking about money, sex, and power as God's in front of us. But the God that you've got, a little g God that you've got to be careful of is putting yourself on the throne. You can't row out of the storm. You, can't, you, you, you don't know how to get through the hurricane. You can't manage the ship and everything on it to get where God has called you to go. And so faith and confidence are either your two greatest weapons or they're your two greatest liabilities. It just depends where they are focused. Listen, we're getting ready, and I, and I, and I know that you get as tired of it as I do. Television becomes unwatchable because we have all these political ads where both sides are lying through their teeth. Isn't it amazing? They never, they never get commercials uh, after the election. It's always before the election because they, can, they think they can lie to you and talk to you. I'm going to tell you my confidence is not in our political structure. My trust is not in men or women that make promises. My faith, my faith, my faith is in the only thing that works and the only thing that has never let me down. I love what Proverbs 3.26 says says, do not be afraid of sudden terror or of the ruin of the wicked when it comes, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Said, do not fear sudden calamity. Do not fear the storm that comes out of nowhere. Do not fear the rug being jerked out from under your feet. Do not fear getting that text or that bad news. Do not fear the other shoe dropping. Do not fear. Why? Because God is never caught off guard even when we are. And then I love what he says. For the Lord will be your confidence. You know what it doesn't say here? It doesn't say the Lord will give you confidence says the Lord will be your confidence. 
If you're taking notes, write this down. That means our confidence is not in God. It is God. Our confidence is not in God. It is God. While I was sitting there and we were worshiping, I was going over the notes in my head, and God dropped a word that's not in your dictionary, but I want it to become a part of your everyday life. Not confidence. Let's talk about Godfidence. If confidence is full trust, belief in the powers, trustworthiness, or the reliability of others or things, then confidence would be full trust in God, believing in his power, his trustworthiness, and his reliability. People will let you down. If you know me long enough, I will let you down. I will say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing, not answer emails quick enough. There will be something that happens where I will let you down, and I apologize in advance, and please give me grace, and please give me space, but at the end of the day, I don't want you to have confidence in me. I want you to have confidence that is birthed in a real relationship with God in the presence of God. Joyce Meyer says it like this, we don't need self-confidence, we need confidence in God. Hebrews 10.35 says this, do not throw away your confidence. That means the enemy cannot steal it from you. If confidence is not a thing and confidence is God, that means that the enemy cannot steal God out of your life. For you and I to throw away confidence means that we literally have to say, God, I no longer want you a part of my life, or maybe I don't want you a part of my money. I don't want you a part of my relationships. I don't want you to par- a part of my everyday life. It says, so do not throw away your confidence, for it will be richly rewarded. The enemy cannot make God quit you, but he'll make you quit God. He'll make you check out. He'll make you throw it away. He'll make you say things like, it didn't work for me like it worked for them. That verse didn't work for me. I tithe just like they do, and I'm not seeing the open windows of heaven. God will never quit you. The enemy knows that he cannot make him quit you. But what he does is he makes the the storm so egregious, so strong, so buffeting, that in a moment of weakness, what do we do? We throw away our confidence. It says don't throw it away because it will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what has been promised. Throwing away your confidence, church, does not mean you are void of confidence. It simply means that you have thrown away the only confidence that really matters. Because if I'm not confidently following Jesus, if I'm not confidently serving Jesus, if I'm not confidently in the boat when it's hailing and the waves are rolling and the thunder's rolling and lightning's flashing, if I don't have confidence then, if I throw away my confidence, the reward that comes with confidence goes away. But listen, just because I throw away that confidence doesn't mean that all confidence is lost. It just means that I've lost confidence and the only one that can get me from this side of the lake to that side of the lake, and now I'm depending on myself. You know what I love, not not to get too far ahead in this story and series, but I love the fact that when all hell breaks loose, they run straight to Jesus and say, hey, wake up. 
See, some of us, we try to do it on our own. Some of us, the devil's lied to us and said, that's not a big enough problem to wake Jesus up about. That's not a big enough situation. If it matters to you, it matters to God. And can I encourage you, wake him up before it turns into a hurricane. Let God establish your confidence that no matter what, God, we're going to make it to the other side. It's not that you've lost all confidence. You've thrown thrown away the only confidence that matters. R.C. Sproul says this, it is one thing to believe in God. It is quite another to believe God. Let me say that again. It is one thing to believe in God. It's something completely different to believe God. See, there's a lot of people that believe that God exists. But when we say now we believe God, That's the difference between Satan believing and trembling. He believes in God, but what he doesn't do is what we do. We believe God, that when God says it, that settles it. I believe it, and my life is going to start working, and my life is going to start matching what I say I believe. Philippians 1 verse 6, being confident of this. That he who began a good work in you, that he who began a good work in you, that he who began the good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. There's one part of this that we always leave out in verse 6. We love to talk about the God that started it will complete it. But there's one thing at the end, until the day of Christ Jesus. That would be the second coming of Christ. That that means we will never arrive at our destination and we will never be everything that God has called us to be. But what that means is, is my confidence doesn't let me stay where I'm at. My confidence doesn't let me stagnate. My confidence doesn't let me waver here. My confidence doesn't let me go backwards. What it says is, is the God that started it is faithful to continue the process and help you grow and help you make it through the valleys, the dark places, the dry places. He will help you get through the storms until the day of Christ Jesus. Some might say, I believe and I trusted in God, but in the end, he didn't come through. Have you ever met someone that says, yeah, I tried that Jesus stuff. It didn't work for me. Have you ever ran ran into somebody that you haven't seen at church in six months and Hey, man, we've been missing you. Yeah, yeah, that that church thing, it's just not for me. I know know you get something out of it, but I never get anything out of it. And and, and maybe you're on a different level with God than I am. And they they blame it on everything but themselves. And so there's some people that will say, I believe and trusted in God, but in the end, he didn't come through. That means one of two things happened. If God promised you it would be good in the end, and it's not good, it's not the end. Hold on to your confidence. I know the wind is blowing. I know you're getting all wet. 
I know here in South Texas we got hailstones the size of softballs, but if God promised you it would be good in the end, and it is not good here in July of 2023, I've got good news for you. It's not the end. It's not over. Your job is not done. Your assignment has not been complete. I've come to encourage somebody today that the devil's been reminding you of everything that has happened and that God has not come through. You're still breathing, baby. It's not over. This is not your final chapter. This is not the curtain call. There's more living left to do. It's not the end. If, if it's not good, if you believe and trust it and had confidence to get you this far and you feel like God hasn't kept his end of the bargain, it's not the end. Or number two, and th this is where it's going to get a little tight, and that's all right. If you say, I believe and trusted God, but in the end, the end, he didn't come through. You only trusted God to do your will, not his will. See, some of us pray the wrong prayers, and then we have the indecency to get mad at God when he didn't answer a prayer that does not align with his will. Even Garth Brooks knows that some of the greatest gifts that God can give us are unanswered prayers. That's why when you pray, you better make sure you're praying his will and not your will. His will and not our will. Because if he doesn't come through on our will, that's not his problem. But I promise you, after 23 years walking with God, if it's his will, it will be his bill. If it's it's his calling. It will be his responsibility to get you through the storms of life. Stand on your feet. Confidence. Confidence. Full trust. A hundred percent belief in the trustworthiness and the reliability of Jesus. I know it's fresh in my mind, and I hope you haven't got tired of hearing about it yet, but this past week with, with young people, I'll never be the same standing in those rooms. Because when I, I see something on TV or I'm walking through the mall and see so many teenagers that are, that are, that are walking without Christ, they're confident in themselves, they're confident in some other thing and then you hear people saying yeah this generation they're not going to make it this, is, this generation is going to hell in a handbasket no they're not why because there was 244 young people who for the whole week said God I'm taking the confidence out of myself oh this one's good too and I hope you're not offended my confidence is not in mom and dad. My confidence is in Christ. Because we remind the kids, hey, mom and dad are not going to stand with you before God. It's going to be you. If you're old enough to go to camp, you're old enough to choose Jesus. 
and you're going to have to choose Jesus. Doesn't mean there'll be no storms. Doesn't mean there won't be some moments in your life where you were under attack. What it means is, is I don't have to go to mom, dad, my pastor, or anyone else. I have a confidence, a confidence. I'm fully trusting.